0: Hello, I'm Rachel England and welcome to Brain Yapping, the podcast where comedian and actual qualified neuroscientist Dr Dean Burnett gets put through his paces with brain related questions by me, not a neuroscientist, without any advance warning or prior preparation, in a bid to demonstrate that science isn't always as slick as it seems.
1: Okay, and I have sort of brain yapping, but this is a bit of a different one in that we're recording this very, very soon uh, before it's released, rather than doing a big pre-record, because it's sort of topical. Something's happened which we thought was good fodder for an episode. So, Rachel, please sure, uh, lead the way.
0: Yes, as Dean says, this is a very timely episode, and we will just preface it with a content warning for... Topics on rape and sexual assault. Um, we are going to be discussing the nature of Twitter bullying in the context of feminism. Mm. Therefore, we may end up discussing some things that some people might find uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, a rich vein of humour is uh, prevalent throughout this topic, but uh, bear with us. I think it's important. So, okay. right, Rachel, I think this is uh, your story to tell. So, what happened since uh, we last spoke?
0: <laughs> okay. Well, actually, the last the last time we spoke was coincidentally on International Women's it was, Day. It was. Wasn't it was the day Dave? of. Um, And shortly after we'd finished recording, I came home and was flicking through Twitter and I saw that the Pied Piper of bullshit, (laughs) a.k.a. media's favourite troll, Mr Morgan, had tweeted something incredibly flippant and disparaging about International Women's Day. It was a tweet along the lines of Happy International Women's Day to every woman except for those that spend all of their time complaining about how bad men are.
1: This is very on brand of him. For those, who, on the off chance we have any uh, international listeners, Piers Morgan is, essentially, Rachel just said, is a high profile ass, for if, if, if a better term, yep, who yep, would makes agree. controversial statements purely for attention and has literally no uh, durability to handle criticism on his own. So, um as as we'll see.
0: Yes. Yeah, so I tweeted back at him saying well, not all of the time peers. the rest of the time women are busy working hard to get equal pay and looking after the home and raising kids and trying to avoid sexual harassment and basically listed all of the very real and statistically proven challenges that women face every day I don't actually follow him on Twitter it came up in my sort of you might have missed section yeah, yeah that's um irksome. and I you know, I'm a I'm a journalist, I'm a female journalist, so I do know better than to feed the trolls. But given that it was International Women's Day, that kind of flipping arrogant comment is exactly indicative of why we need to have International Women's Day in the first instance. So I couldn't let it lie. Anyway, obviously hit a nerve with him because he yeah. quote tweeted my response and hit back with... Uh, A big angry angry diatribe along the lines of, all the women in my life don't complain and you're pathetic and you need to get a grip. And as you can imagine, he's quite prolific on Twitter, has in the region of six and a half million followers. And that caused an absolute shitstorm. Mm. My mentions were a hellfire. And for the entirety of the weekend, I just I couldn't even look at my phone because even when even though I deleted Twitter off my phone, hmm. you know, the the hard of thinking were <laughs> we're finding ways to get at me via Facebook, via my emails, through Instagram. And, uh, yeah, so the, the whole weekend was spent basically monitoring this deluge of shit from men and women, sadly. Um, was especially
1: bleak aspect that wasn't it? It was yes. like, oh, God, really? It's this." Just- there's so much to unpack here.
0: Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, over the course of the weekend, I had five separate dick pics, which actually in the grand scheme of things is probably not that many, but it's certainly five yeah, more than f- I wanted to see. Yeah,
1: it's, it's five more than you need.
0: I had people sort of scouring the internet for pictures of me and sending awfully edited, crudely edited pictures of my face to me. Okay. Uh, I had a number of men telling me that they wanted to, quote, fuck some sense into me. And then I had a whole barrage of abuse from women as well, lamenting that I don't speak for them and that I'm an embarrassment to womankind. So it was a pretty nasty weekend. And then on Monday, once they'd all tuckered themselves out, um, I went back online and I sort of addressed most of the comments that had been made and actually got a lot of really good feedback from people and felt a lot better after it. Um again, not that the comments that were being made sort of hurt my feelings so much. As I said, I'm a female journalist and I write a lot about technology, which is just a swamp. Yeah. So it wasn't so much that the comments hurt my feelings. I just felt so exasperated and powerless, I suppose, in the face of such bile and hatred over a topic which nobody really had any right to tell me how to feel about. Mm. And that's what really got my goat. So, to save this podcast from being just a a, a ranty onslaught from mm. me, let's turn this into something positive and learn something from it. Okay, right. So, there's two elements that I want to address here. Mm. And the first one is, let's talk about tribal mentality. Right. Let's talk about what's happening when somebody like Mr. Morgan quote tweets somebody encouraging a pylon mm. and everyone has to get in there and make their opinions known to the detriment of the person on the receiving end. What's going on in people's heads when that happens?
1: Ah, well, I've written quite a bit about this particular area of social psych. It's one one which has always quite intrigued me. I mean, in this particular instance, I will say, you know, I've tried to be an objective, empathetic person or try to be understanding, but I cannot really get into the headspace of someone who, has the sort of life where they follow Piers Morgan genuinely, are interested in what he says, and want to impress him. See, so that mm. is not a position I can relate to. <laughs> so, yeah you know, this is all conjecture on my part, like for what's going on in their particular heads. Sure. I imagine it's a lot of uh, breeze <laughs> more than anything going on up there. Whistling. Um, so it's it's a, it's a known thing. It's a thing called group polarization. Because humans are incredibly social Creatures, we want to be liked and respected by those we identify with, not with everyone. That's sort of what people think this is a you know that, that, that doesn't make any sense. We, we humans are always bad to each other. We are groups are bad to other groups because when you're a you know a, when you're a successful human tribe in the wild, the biggest threat to you isn't predators or uh, other species; it's other groups of people. Mm. So they become you know the outsider becomes dangerous. The in group and out group thing. So. You think these are my people? I want to be liked and respected and impress them. These other people who don't agree—they are the outgroup. These are viable targets, or are people I should be hostile to? You know, this expresses in so many different ways. There's also a thing called group polarization because that sort of has a bit of a feedback effect. So say if you're part of a group of people who all agree that feminism is bad. I mean, these such groups are not uncommon, sadly. Then you want to you don't want to just be accepted by it, you want to impress the group you want to be a high status person in the group so you think well you none of us like feminism but I like it l- the least therefore I am the best right. so I will show that I like it the least by I will find a feminist and tell her she has an ugly face or I'm going to do explicit sexual things to her in a public forum and then obviously other people in the group see that and go oh that's that's the thing both are it both sets a precedent and say, like that's oh that's how we should behave now. And also it sets a bar to clear. Then, oh, well, he says that. I'm going to find pictures of her as a child and that sort of thing. So it becomes self-sustaining. Not necessarily about this, but it happens in every group. Like it can happen in slimming groups. You want to be slim of the week. So people mm. take on more and more uh, extensive efforts to lose weight. And that becomes a bit of a feedback thing. And like, you know, so like they're the slim of the week. Now I must match them and supersede them. Mm. We all want to win, essentially.
0: And that's where a big part of this comes from. So basically... The trolls that I encountered—we're just having a competition to see who could be the biggest jerk. Uh, maybe not consciously,
1: but that is a big part of it. Is in like you are—that becomes a part of who you are. Then, like I am a person who is an anti-feminist; therefore, that's my identity. Right. I must—I do this because that's who I am. Mm. Like we, we do things like this podcast. We, no one's making us do this. We do it because it's something we want to do. We think we have something to say. We want to contribute it. They do too, but they're clearly wrong, but th- that's by the by, they, they they genuinely believe that this is something they should be doing. Like, it, and there's also a very depressing element, I find, of the desire to be a victim as well, so your actions are justified. Because mm. like, we all know that bullying is bad. Even bullies, well, like, maybe most of them will say, I'm not a bully, I'm standing up for myself. Or like the thing like, in America, the Christian right all feel like they're the most oppressed religion, even though they are the most indulged by, by some margin.
0: Because
1: mm. you want to you have these urges to attack other people and defend yourself. If you're in a position of power, then by doing that, you are a bully. You are in the wrong, as we all seem to agree. Mm. But if you're actually a victim, then you're retaliating. You're the one like, oh, no, no, I'm not being mean for the sake of it. I'm not being mean because I get off on it. I am defending myself and my, my people. So, that, that's there's an element of that to it, too. It's very, very distasteful when there are genuine victims out there. And it's like, you know, we also fret in the whole mental model of how the world works. Thing. These are people who have been led to expect that life will be easy for them, like big men, big white men, strong, in charge. Don't, don't, don't talk back, you know, listen to your man and sort of thing. Mm. They've been raised in an environment like that, perhaps, or like you know, online communities where that sort of thing is encouraged. And anyone who threatens that in any way, even if with the best intentions will be viewed as a threat and therefore they respond negatively. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so all of this is tied up in that.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely correct. So among some of the comments I got over the weekend were things like, I'm a man and my life's also hard. Or um, my mother, lots of lots of men mm. quoting stories of their mother. My dear old ma lived down the mines, raised <laughs> 27 kids. Yeah. She never complained. I can see that victimization, that mindset. Mm. Um, and I guess that's what brings the whole not all men conversation about, um, which is how so many men, or certainly so many of these men that I've encountered, um, seem to think that any comment about masculinity is directly about them. Hmm. And that's simply not the case. Um, I saw a really great meme the, the other day which said, a hamburger is a hamburger. A cheeseburger is a Not a hamburger, but a variation of the hamburger (laughs) with cheese. Toxic masculinity is a variation of masculinity. It's not one and the same thing. It's a variant of, and this seems to be where a lot of guys fall down when they hear women like myself talking about feminism and they become very victimized by it. Mm. And so their response is to basically have a huge embarrassing tantrum will get their dick out.
1: (laughs) It's like tantrum, but I think you mentioned it. What is the thinking there? As in, this is a woman who's clearly unhappy with the behaviour of lots of men. Mm. I'll show her my penis.
0: Well, I mean, what is that? Really? Because... Again, like I said, you know, I saw a handful of them over the weekend, all very sort of, oh, God, no, quickly yeah. avert my gaze, because I don't want to look at that.
1: I mean, also, five of them makes up a single handful. These are not very impressive specimens <laughs> either, are they? That's... <laughs>
0: Well, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we've, we've discussed this in previous podcasts, like a penis is not like the most attractive looking thing in the first no, place. No. So maybe that's part of their motivation. It's like, oh, look at this gross thing that's attached to me. Maybe yeah. I'll like but- try and her out by <laughs> making
1: a look at it. Definitely possible. Um, I think most of the guys I know of encounter all this mentality don't see their manhood as what well, is called manhood <laughs> as a sort of a weapon of shame, shall we say? It's in like, no, no they're very proud of their, or at least very defensive of their uh, appendage. Well,
0: I mean, I think it's just an aggressive act, isn't it?
1: Yeah, that, that's why I think it's basically. That's case it. Of... It's,
0: it's an aggressive, violent yeah. act. And again, uh, what so many of these numpties didn't seem to realize was that their stupid comments and their awful pictures that they were sending me just reinforced the point I was making in the first place.
1: Yeah, let's be completely honest here. I mean, were they even aware of the point you were making? No. It's probably just, I imagine that level of thinking was way beyond what they were going for.
0: Yes, of course. And and you, as you rightly said you know, earlier in this conversation, a lot of it's a sort of a, a subconscious conversation to who can be the biggest asshat. Hmm. And the kind of person that's going to send a stranger a picture of their dick in an, an aggressive manner is certainly the kind of person that's going to want to partake in a competition like that. It is almost literally a pissing contest a lot of the time. But
1: there's also the aspect of getting a reaction from someone, a response of any sort, mm. does infer a sense of dominance, a sense of control on on you. If you're if especially you're someone who, let's be completely frank again, doesn't have a lot of that in your actual life, then you, your life is nowhere near as successful as you want. You do not feel respected as much as you feel you deserve, which mm. a lot of men are led to believe they should be respected and have women follow them by default, because mm. much of the modern media is presents that as an image. So any response you can elicit from someone else does put you in a sort of dominant state, even if it's briefly and I see a lot of this on like you know in the current comedy scene, a lot of new acts, you know shock humor, offensive humor mm. it's a variation of that I always find it's in like i'm gonna say offensive things, and a lot of them they're not actually funny, they're not jokes at all. they're just i'm gonna say the n word, I'm gonna say talk about rape because that'll upset you. And like, well that's not the function of what you're doing here. This is actually meant to be a comedy gig. Yeah. That's always bugged me in the thing of I'm just challenging your politically correct preconceptions. Like why are you doing that? Who asked you to do that? What purpose does this yeah. serve?
0: What role does that actually play yeah. in this, a comedy setting? Exactly.
1: Are you coming to my house and knocking down my walls and I'm going to challenge your architectural preconceptions? <laughs> don't don't yeah. do that. I'll have you arrested. Yeah. And I do find it kind of paradoxical. This is my own personal rant, isn't that? Because, yeah, I'm, I'm going to challenge your preconceptions, but, but I'm going to do it in a place specifically set aside for doing that uh, where there's no consequence allowed. So yeah. if you really want to do that, do it in the street. You know, do it to people... Who aren't expecting it. It's that's something to me it's like saying, I'm gonna smash the system by spraying graffiti on a wall that the council have specifically said is for graffiti. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah,
1: this'll show them, this'll stick it to the man.
0: But that's but again, you you make a point there as well. It's okay to say, you know, crazy shocking things within the set within the confines of a comedy set because, you know, comedy's pushing the pushing the envelope and it's out there or whatever. In the same way that it's okay to say these vile things to women on the internet because, well, that's just what the internet's for, isn't it? And that's the problem with online pylons is that obviously there's the anonymity. There's this already um, pre-established environment whereby people sort of take pride in being shitty to each other. Don't feed the troll is a phrase that's been around years and years and years, long, the internet, you know. long before Twitter even became a thing.
1: just 30 yesterday, wasn't it? The, um, it
0: yeah. a, yes, it was. Yes, yeah. It was
1: 30 years old yesterday. And that phrase is 29 years, 11 months and 30 yeah. days it. Yeah, yeah
0: exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so this all sort of brings me around to my next question. And that's a uh, bit of context again, is on International Women's Day, I tweeted an article that I wrote a few years ago about how my Relationship with Feminism Hasn't Been Smooth Sailing.
1: Oh, yeah, uh, I read that. It's very good. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Um, and I that's, recommend it.
1: Could you give me the title. We'll just give it a plug here.
0: Um, if you search for I Said Feminism Didn't Matter, I Was Wrong, um, that will pull it up. It's an article I wrote a few years ago about how my opinion towards feminism has changed over time.
1: Hmm. It's very good. I do endorse.
0: But I, So I wrote about my relationship with feminism and how previously I sort of subscribed to a uh, uh, set of beliefs which I've come to realize is kind of problematic now and they were things like oh I'm one of the guys it's easier being friends with guys than it is with girls you know um, I'm not like the other girls I'm a tomboy and that sort of thing hmm. um, and that all came together to I remember seeing this on my time hop a while back where I eventually one day put on Facebook. Oh, if we're all so equal, why do we have to have an International Women's Day? Why do we have to, like, make the focus about us? Why can't we just get on with things? And that was how I used to think, right? And I'm not proud of it, obviously. But over the last decade or so, you know, listening to people's trains of thought, reading books, getting educated, surrounding myself with insightful people, I've gradually had a shift in mentality.
1: You're welcome. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry.
0: (laughs) So here we are now, <laughs> yeah. feminism saved by Dean Burnett. <laughs> no. And so I do completely recognise where a lot of the people that were attacking me at the weekend, especially the women, I do recognise where they're coming from. And I can sort of see their line of thought, right? But it feels like they're so deeply entrenched in it that there's almost like there's no turning back for them. mm I don't feel like I was ever massively entrenched in my way of thinking. I think I was maybe just kind of a little bit more open to it, but that was where I was leaning. Mm. How difficult is it then for somebody to change their mind about something that they hold so close to their heart, that they so deeply believe in, whether or not they really understand it?
1: Yeah, it's it's not easy, as as, as you probably guessed. Um, it's entirely possible. Uh, like There's a lot of documentaries and books these days about people who have escaped Scientology. That that was a big thing. Like they were deeply, deeply involved in the religion slash cult delete according to your geography. And but they've since since then turned their back on the church and become almost zealots for taking it down. Mm. So it can be done. But it takes it's a big shift. So you need something often quite substantial or quote unquote traumatic to get you to that point. So say if it sounds like a weird thing to say, but the woman is a huge fan of Piers Morgan uh, which clearly is a thing, but again, <laughs> that's something I've learned this <laughs> bafflingly this, so. This yes. whole thing—if uh, you were to then sort of turn on her and say, you know, give basically subject her to a pylon—that mm. would almost undoubtedly change her perspective. Mm. Uh, so it could happen, but it needs to be something quite because the brain doesn't like to change its mind, our mind, you what know, it itself. <laughs> yes, however you would call it like that. In that we've, we've arrived at these. The sense of identity, this sense of how the world works, this um, sense of right and wrong, this morality. Our whole sense of self is based on a lot of time and effort and investment from our experiences. And we use that to make our decisions and our, direct our behavior. Mm. So if someone says to you, that thing you base all your decisions and your behavior on is not is wrong, that's quite scary for you know, at an instinctive level. It throws like, well, every decision I made is wrong all the things I want and believe in are incorrect. You know, it's a huge ask to have someone to just take that on board and deal with it. Say if someone's long-term relationship is breaking down for a long time, they will often just ignore the signs or just go, it's fine. It's fine. Or like the whole drug problem thing. If your significant other or child, somebody has a drug problem, people will ignore it and hopefully, hopefully goes away. Denial. Denial. Yeah. That's essentially what it is. And being asked to change who we are at such a fundamental level is scary for, you know, in a certain way. So these people will, almost reinforce it. There's that coming from the theory's corner is the idea that if you tell someone, if you show someone or prove to them with evidence that their beliefs are wrong, they'll become more entrenched in it. It's sort of like the rebound effect, I think mm-hmm. it's called. Because I guess before then they thought, well, this is the truth. And then someone says, no, it's not the truth. And then you go from just accepting it to actually defending it. As in, no, 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 it definitely is. And you become more firm in your conclusions.
0: Fuck is a a line of thinking that could just explain so many things that are wrong with the world. So it's it's simply well, not simply, obviously, Mm. but it's people's unwillingness to open their minds to other possibilities.
1: Um, I'll say yes, but it's not always a sort of conscious decision to, no, I refuse to accept that. Mm. Sometimes it is, but again, a lot of it happens at a subconscious level, as in, like, that's a thing I've no experience with. I have not encountered this type of thinking before. I'll just steer clear of it. It makes me feel weird. I'm not getting a good vibe here. Sure. So it doesn't necessarily happen at a conscious level, but it affects your conscious behavior and the things you do. So so yes, it is what happens there, but not necessarily they think, right, this person is incorrect. I am correct. I'm going to do, tell them they're wrong. There's a part of that in there, but a lot of it's going to be must defend my worldview, must defend what I think, must defend myself, my identity and my group. Mm. So again, they do feel people like that do feel like they are the victims here, even though objectively it's a very, very difficult to make that case. But you will still see a lot of effects like that.
0: From my experience as well, this is that difficulty in in changing a world view really does contribute to a problem in terms of education. Not so much obviously in that getting people to understand what's different or different ways of thinking in the first place. But given the, the social narrative, especially the climate online, it's very difficult for somebody who was once very staunchly X to eventually go, okay, no, I'm actually Y, without mm. them being vilified yeah. by supporters of both parties. You know, the, the former for abandoning them and the latter for only just coming to them now. Mm. Um, and so it, it must be very difficult for people to make that change and i guess seeing other people get ambushed as a result of it makes them less likely to want to explore other ideas or to at least openly say you know what i've i've changed my mind
1: yeah that's that's a definite problem with the speed and the, the intensity of like viewpoints these days like mm. everything's been polarized there's no calm middle ground before and i think i I've, my one of my theories is that's a big problem with the internet in that before the internet if you had weird ideas and beliefs it took a lot of time and effort to find people who agreed with you like Mm -hmm. say if you believed in ghosts or conspiracy theories or weird alt-med stuff you might find one or two people who are sympathetic to what you think not that many and you have to keep it to yourself more often than not and then it doesn't become a defining aspect of your behavior your life whereas now you can type in online wacky conspiracy theory x and then you find 20 facebook groups of people sharing about why exactly this is bang on and And so now you've got flat earthers and anti vaxxers and moon landing deniers who are just very common now because they are, it's easy to find someone who agrees with you. And that, more than anything, is how humans evaluate whether something's correct or not. Who agrees with you? Not necessarily what does the evidence say, because that's not how we've evolved. We have, the mob has spoken, is more how how we reinforce things. Um, But yeah, you will see a lot of, you know, a lot of the time it is like, if you're a big part of your identity is, I belong to this group. Mm. And it's, again, it can be particularly bad with those on the quote-unquote correct side, the ones who are like the more morally um, valid approaches. Again, your mileage will vary on what that means. Mm. But talking to a friend of the day say so like, oh, I don't try to strive for the moral high ground. It seems to be a lot of twats up there because there are people who will, it's something like, everyone likes this thing. Oh, it's not good enough, thank you, and that—that's a very common thing too. And it's nowhere near as common as perhaps someone would make out, but it is a very prevalent thing. It's like, yes, you—you you all believe this thing is ethically correct, but I am more ethically correct, so mm. I am superior to you. And that again, it's the same effect, but it's on a, on a subconscious level, but it's just applied in a different direction. I mean, I—I was first introduced to the concept of fake geek girl. You know ah, uh, yes. Yeah, basically, if your girl expresses any interest in uh, comic books or video games. The guys in the community will to cry her and say you're a fake geek. You. Yep,
0: not allowed. Yeah. Get out. Also, yeah. the
1: idea that you're just lying to 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 what to impress these guys who
0: have so much to offer <laughs> yeah. already. Yeah. Uh, so the
1: main new complaint is like women don't want to talk to us. Well, Can't an think obvious why pattern that would here. Be. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: But then I mentioned it. Uh, to, uh, on Twitter, so because uh, I've just been doing the Guardian writing for like just under a year, mm. and then I just hear about this fake geek girl thing. I is said, is, is, is this a well known thing, or is it something I could write about to get it out there? As a, several of my female friends are like, Oh, God, you don't know about fake geek girl, <laughs> where have you been? Is it, are you not seeing a sort of problem with this response to what I'm talking about, given the context? And oh, fine, I'll write about it then. I could have drawn attention to that, but the, you know, the, the ability to criticize and mock me for not knowing about it was more important than getting the issue resolved. Mm. Again, on a subconscious level, I don't think any malice was meant by it, but it was a very telling response. I thought that is, no, this is my thing. That's not your thing. You can't have it.
0: Yeah, uh, and
1: That's a lot of it boils down to that, really. That, that's, that simple possession of something, even if it's meaningless and not actually yours.
0: That's, that's mm. very true. I see this with, um, not so much now. I think I move in different social circles, but especially when I was at university, it's a propensity for for other students to, I don't know, look down upon other people's ideas or hobbies or whatever, mm. but you know, with the, with a kind of lofty scorn. Oh, yes, I've I've heard all about that. Mm. Not for me. Or, oh, that's really nice, but have you thought about the consequences of this? Or even even down to levels such as, oh, that band, yes, I heard them a year ago. Mm. And it just seems to be that there is a certain person, a certain kind of person that really revels in setting themselves apart from others at oftentimes great cost.
1: Mm. It does seem to be a strong thing in adolescence and early 20s when you are... You're sort of like putting your personal your stamp on your personality. This is who I want to be, and I must embrace that uh, at all costs. So you're still in your more rebellious stage, and like you don't want to be, you don't want to conform. You want to be, you know, independent and cool and all that sort of thing. These are all very well-known facets of adolescent maturation. So that's a part of that, is in like this is my thing, or you like everyone likes that thing, but I like this thing, which is better. Yeah. Uh, no, you can't have it. It's the hipster culture is a big part of that, isn't it? The sort of Oh, you used you to listen to that. Oh, oh God, is that what you still do? Or mm. that's not the thing anymore. And yeah, so yeah, there's a huge part of that isn't it? people taking possession of something and not wanting to share it because it's theirs and sharing it will dilute it or diminish it in some way.
0: But it's, I mean, it's all basically just a huge confusion, confusing mess, isn't it? Because yeah. on one <laughs> hand, we've got these individuals that want to set themselves apart and be different and loftier and you know righteous. And then on the other hand, we've got people that are wanting to do that, but doing so in the sphere of Piers Morgan's cult following, Mm. therefore not really setting themselves apart, just kind of agreeing loudly with themselves.
1: Yeah, the echo chamber thing is in there as well. Mm. The online environment does make it easier because, as you say, the anonymity, you can do it to someone you will never see in real life. Mm. There's no consequence then. Like If I want to send a picture of my shriveled penis to someone... (laughs) if I did it on the street I'd be arrested or and or have you know, the shit kicked out of me by a passing person yeah but do it in this context it's sort of you know it, it's safe it's uh, you're free from well it's not completely safe but you're far more unlikely to have um, repercussions from it yeah so then you don't see the, you, know, you don't see it as a risk and therefore you do it and you do it more than once you become used to it and then you think it's okay and you would know, we're always learning and always adapting uh, <laughs>
0: which
1: is, <that's laughs> a weird way, way to put this but uh, trying to put a positive spin on things I guess <laughs>
0: oh uh, yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> <Just> <laughs> yeah. reflect on that
1: though i will say i did i didn't read much of the mentions you got over the weekend but i did take a sneak peek and mm. purely to sort of see what was happening to you and because uh, i was obviously trying to uh, i tried to help by getting my my followers to uh, this is happened to my mate can you come on guys help out and then everyone was quite happy too so that was good but and that
0: just as an just as an aside is a really good example of how someone like yourself can leverage your platform of relative privilege mm. to exactly.
1: help, I mean, help the cause. It was literally I had to write a tweet. It was not this huge expenditure on my part either. Like, exactly, sort of, sort of bare minimum effort. Not that I wouldn't do more, but <laughs> that, that that's I exactly. want you
0: to go to London and fight him with your <laughs> yeah. bare hands.
1: Don't rule <laughs> out. I have plans. It's it's actually you know this I can't happen right now, but I have ideas. Um, bare knuckle boxing match. <laughs> I mean, I would do that that does sound like if nothing else a, a ratings winner, yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so i I took a you know, took a quick peek at oh it was all awful, like all this stuff, but i, I remember the feeling I had checked I mentioned it was like. Like if you go to the toilet to the pub at the end of a match day, like there's one toilet free and the, and the lid is closed. Oh, God, am I going to...
0: That's, that's where I didn't look yeah. at it all the <laughs> oh. weekend.
1: I was like... Do I dare or shall I just hold it? And... I'm just going to yeah. just sit this one out. Yeah, there's something monstrous lurks beneath. So I, I did check, but there was a few comments which particularly annoyed me on a almost on a professional level. I mean, obviously, I've never experienced this myself. I've never been the subject of a pylon. Uh, the worst I've had is when Johan Hari tried to take me on when I called it his depression claims.
0: Mm.
1: And it turns out they're not as uh, articulate as you think. And I got what a quite,
0: surprise. quite a
1: few, for rather amusing ones. Yeah, Someone said, I demand to know what uh, payments you've had from Big Pharma just to write this, which was... Oh, yeah. Did, is, we all know that you're in the back <laughs> yeah. pocket of yeah. Big Pharma. Well, I did <laughs> list them. I, I said my, my uh, contributions from Big Pharma in my life to date were a pen I got from a conference once, which yeah. I think was a Pfizer pen, and a pack of free condoms during university or Freshers' Week, uh, which later expired.
0: So, <laughs> pretty, what a payoff. Yeah,
1: also, quite a damning indictment of my own uh, sex <laughs> life. <laughs> yes. Those things are rubber. They're meant to last forever. But but there we go. But um, there was quite a few guys who, and I've seen this before, and it always infuriates me somewhat. The argument <laughs> basically boils down to more men commit suicide under 40. That's the biggest mm. killer of men under 40. Uh, therefore... Feminism is bad. You are wrong. Men are the oppressed ones. Yeah, and that's I mean, that's all kinds of wrong. It, it's such a massive leap for a start. There's um, so yeah. much
0: to unpack with those claims. Yeah, I don't doubt for one single second the legitimacy of these claims with mm. male suicide. It is a it is a huge Definitely, issue, yeah. and it's something that I have had personal experience with myself. Same. So, as I mentioned in my long Twitter thread that feminism exists for everybody, not just for females. And I think people get confused by the word feminism itself Hmm. being as it is. But the point of feminism is to level the playing fields for everyone. And that means creating environments where everybody can talk about their feelings, Everybody can talk about their emotional and mental health without fears of repercussions, without fears of being called weak or pathetic or incapable or any other consequence that may actually be contributing to this high suicide rate in in men.
1: Definitely. And I've actually just written about this for my next book that I'm doing now in that from such a young age, the, the, the gender stereotypes, the, the gender roles that are imposed upon you, like women are expected to conform to all these impossible often contradictory demands mm. constantly look beautiful even though that's physically impossible you know be available but don't be trampy you know yeah. be confident but don't be assertive and all that sort of stuff it's impossible to conform to all this so like women tend to and young girls especially, tend to report higher levels of mental health problems So does that mean men have less mental health problems or is that a reflection of the fact that they are less able and less willing to admit to them because from a young age Men are told you have to be strong. You have to yeah. be strong. You have to be tough. You have to be resilient. And strong doesn't now, if it ever did, just mean able to wrestle a bear or no. can lift 50 logs, you know, in a space for an hour. Now it's don't show any emotion other than anger, which is allowed because that leads to fighting quite a lot, which is... Yeah, don't be is, a
0: sissy. Don't yeah. be a girl. Don't be a pussy. Yeah. All of these words that are associated with women.
1: Exactly. And But then telling men that you cannot express emotions is genuinely harmful because the, the brain has the full suite there to do that. Mm-hmm. Having an emotional reaction to something is a thing we do for a reason. So cloistering that, stifling that, leads to more emotional dysregulation, leads to greater levels of instability, leads to you, being, you know, your mental health will suffer as a result of that. And because of the whole masculine culture around it, admitting weakness, admitting vulnerability, need, admitting need help is something which is strongly discouraged by people like Piers Morgan and his pathetic tweets. So, but the people who are invoking these male suicides to defend their anti-feminist position genuinely making the problem much, much worse. Mm. And there's also a general sort of moral disgust to that, as in how dare you take these lives that have been lost and use them for your own ends you know, without to any understanding. It, to make
0: a, a shitty point that actually Which has probably, no relevance in this debate yeah. today. Yeah. And will probably
1: lead to more if you if you persist in this. So,
0: yeah,
1: so, yeah, so that's uh, that was my particular... Bug Bay with the three tweets
0: I saw of yours because I didn't,
1: I didn't <laughs> spend a long eyes time. eyes
0: melted out of yeah. your
1: skull. Yeah, well, nobody needs this today. <laughs> this is not a thing <laughs> which is really healthy for anyone to look at for any space of time. So, so yeah, so going forward, a phrase I hate but seems to be catching on, are you okay? I mean, are you, this is not, they say you're quite used to this, but mm. not necessarily yes. a good thing, I suppose.
0: No, I, it, it's not. And it's not ideal that anyone should have to have consistent practice at this kind of mm. shitstorm. storm you know it's it's not like oh i'm i'm getting better at it <laughs> it shouldn't be yeah. the case that anyone should be getting better at it mm. like nobody should have to be dealing with this kind of nonsense mm. um however like i like i said earlier you know not my first rodeo there were some really gross things said um But it wasn't so much that my feelings were hurt. It was more that I felt just so incredibly angry and frustrated um, at the situation. That said, two things, two sort of positive things came out of it. One, I got to have a really good and harrowing look at the other side of my echo chamber. Mm. Because I do try very hard to... Maintain a balance of people on Twitter, you know, people that I might not necessarily agree with. Yeah. Um, but getting both sides to any story helps you form a, a more balanced opinion, surely, or at least empathize with your hmm. opposition, understand where they're coming from. So there's that. Although that was a real, it was a real baptism of fire <laughs> for <laughs> the other side. Um, and the other thing was that. Among all of the as I said the hard of thinking and their tantrums, and them loudly agreeing with themselves, there were uh, there was a very large pocket of people that were you know supportive um that were retweeting my sentiments and having conversations among themselves about feminism and international women's day, and that's important, yeah, and that's and as a result of this whole shitstorm, I've managed to get a few extra followers, which is obviously. Always nice for the hashtag numbers, but it's <laughs> yeah. important. Now I'm connected to more people. I get to have these conversations with more people. Mm. You can have these conversations with more people, and this was the process that bought sort of that, that changed my way of thinking all those years ago. So the the payoff, hopefully, will be that this might this narrative might reach somebody else who will have mm. a change of heart eventually. What we've been talking about today is a huge, sprawling nightmare of a subject. Yeah. And we have really only just scratched the surface. I mean, there are so many, so many layers to this. And there is so much to unpack. And it really is a very complicated and and difficult subject. Sound like my dad here in this day and age. (laughs) Um, However, my key takeaway from the weekend was that ultimately... Even in the face of pure, pure evil bile and hatred, there are a lot of good people out there. And the one good thing we can thank the internet for is that we are able to connect with one another Hmm. and find like-minded individuals. So if anybody listening to this podcast has been affected by anything that we've spoken about today, and that's men and women, Mm -hmm. remember to reach out and... and ask for help or ask for advice or ask for insight on the internet because there will be someone there that will help in a meaningful way.
1: And also, if you want to just ask us, then go to BrainyAppinPod at Twitter or uh, BrainyAppinPodcast at gmail.com. So we're, I'll, I'll happily reply to stuff. I've got some sort of links there.
0: Yeah, get in touch yeah. if you've got any questions or thoughts. Um, preferably no dick pics, though. No. Thank you.
1: Well, send them to me if you do, because that'll just be weird for all concerned.
0: Maybe we could get a, 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 a fundraising calendar... <laughs> Just just need a few more. I'm just thinking the world's worst advent calendar. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows. Nobody wants that. Every day is a surprise.
1: <laughs> well, after the third day, you get a bit formulaic. <laughs> yeah. oh, God, one of these again. Oh, what fun. Yes. So, Rachel, thank you for sharing. Much appreciated. Thank and you very much, Dean. I'm very sorry you went through all that. But if you get uh, dogpiled again online, I'm sure we can do this another time. Oh, yes. I can talk about this forever. <laughs> Good. If you'd like to read the Brainyapin blogs, go to cosmicshambles.com forward slash blogs, where you'll find Brainyapin plus lots of other exclusive science blogs from the likes of Helen Chesky, John Butterworth, Susie Gage, Ginny Smith, and others. If you enjoyed today's episode, please do share it on social media, give it a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, as that does really help us out. If you'd like to support the show and everything we make at Cosmic Shambles, you can pledge via Patreon for as little as $1 a month. There's lots of great reward tiers available too. Go to patreon.com forward slash bookshambles or follow the links from cosmicshambles.com. This podcast is part of the Cosmic Shambles Network.